So we're going to look at uh, Psalm 51. So if you want to have that uh, in front of you. And uh, as I said earlier on, it's, it's so wonderful that uh, something written such a long time ago in a completely different place, in a completely different circumstance, could be there for us, that we can learn from it even this morning. So what we're going to do is basically go through this psalm verse by verse and see what we can learn about what happens when we do wrong and uh, uh, the correct response to that. And uh, as I was thinking about uh, this psalm, it got me thinking about uh, sort of modern computers and the kind of uh, the good and the bad of those. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever got frustrated with this issue of syncing, where you have something on your device and then you have something in the cloud and you're not quite sure whether it's on your device or in the cloud. And if you delete it from one, is it in the other? And sometimes you get two. Uh, And in some respects, it's a wonderful thing. In some respects, it can be quite frustrating. But the reason I was thinking about it is because this idea that something could be stored in different places, that you might try and get rid of something in one place, but actually it's still recorded in another. And it really got me thinking about this whole issue of sin and David's attempts to try and cover up what he'd done, but actually the Lord still had it recorded and he was still uh, had to give account for it. And uh, the two readings that we looked at today are related to a story that uh, you can read in uh, 2 Samuel 11 about um, David and, you know, one day, I'm sure you know the story, he was out and uh, saw Bathsheba bathing and uh, got her to come to to him and then uh, he had sex with her and uh, she became pregnant and then he tried to cover it up by getting her husband to uh, lay with her and and pretend it was his, but he wouldn't do that. And then he had her husband killed in battle and then took her uh, into his... um, house and, uh, and took her as his wife and tried to pretend that the, the baby was his and uh, so that, that you know it was all kind of uh, above board and this sort of terrible story of the terrible things that David done and how he kind of uh, tried to sort it out but almost made the, the matter worse uh, and then you get this incredible mercy of God really in sending Nathan the prophet to challenge David and what he'd done and uh, you'll see as, as uh, from both readings that yes it was uh, to admonish him and to show them that he'd done wrong and uh, there was a, a judgment in the consequences uh, of what happened to David in his household. But also, it was an incredible mercy of God to actually bring David to repentance. And uh, as we'll see, there is a, a cleansing of sin that happens as a result. So you'll see that uh, this, the psalm that is before us today, Psalm 51, is David's kind of response to Nathan's challenge. And uh, so what, as I say, what we'll do is we'll look through uh, it verse by verse and see what we might learn when we do wrong. And the first thing is in verses one and two, which is really that we have to go straight to God. You know, David's mistake was that he didn't own up to what he did. He didn't go straight to God. He tried to cover it himself uh, by um, these sort of terrible means that kind of got worse and worse as he went on. And uh, the first thing that we need to do is trust in the character of God. You'll see there in verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitudes of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. So when we go to God, we have to trust in the character of God, that he is a merciful God who longs to forgive. You know, we don't go there going, well, you know, you need to forgive me, God, because I've really worked hard for you and I've really made an effort and I'm a good person, really. So because of who I am, you need to forgive me. No, 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 no. We go to God 
and we cry out and we trust in his character, that there is nothing in us that would make him forgive us. There's nothing that deserves uh, forgiveness, but actually God is a God who is merciful. And also we have faith, you'll see in verse 2, in the ability of God. God forgives because he's able to forgive and only he is able to blot out our transgressions. David says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Because David knew that actually it's something that he couldn't do. No matter how much he tried to cover it up, he couldn't cleanse himself from sin. And that's the second thing we learn as we go into verse 3, that actually our attempts to cover up our sin will ultimately fail and that we'll actually never be able to clear our conscience of that. Even if we kind of move on and we think that nobody's found out or that we think we've managed to cover it up enough just to live a normal life, it'll always be there at the back of our mind. Verse 3, he says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. So no matter how much he tried to move on and cover it up, it was still there day by day that he realised that he'd done wrong. And until God had sent Nathan, he kind of thought he got away with it. Maybe he'd even sort of pushed that down and tried to convince himself that actually, you know, he was king and he can kind of do what he likes and that was his prerogative to do that kind of thing, which, you know, the kings of the other nations uh, probably did and, and did get away with it. But David really knew that he was a king under the king of kings. And it's easy for us to do, try and do the same when we do wrong. It might be that we feel bad about it, but we feel bad about it really because we might feel that we've disappointed ourselves or maybe we've let ourselves down. You know, we think, oh, you know, I'm not as good a person as I thought I was or I've kind of gone against my own moral code. So maybe we feel a little bit disappointed that we've kind of let ourselves down or maybe we realise that we've done something that's hurt our family and friends so we're a bit sad of the effect that it's had on them. Or maybe it's just that we're embarrassed or a bit annoyed that we got found out. So even though we might respond emotionally to our wrongdoing, it might just be quite a selfish thing that actually we feel that, you know, in some way we've lost a bit of status or we've lost uh, um, a bit of, uh, of other people's kind of respect. But actually, that's as far as it goes. And actually, kind of our grief over our sin is really that we've let ourselves down or that we've kind of, uh, we're a bit embarrassed that we got found out. And it might be that we do the similar sort of things to David to try and cover our sin. It might be that we try and justify it. It might be that we try and blame somebody else. You know, as oh, well, it was Bathsheba's fault. She shouldn't have been uh, where she was or blame our circumstances. Um, it might be that we try and fix a situation like he did just to try and cover it up with one wrongdoing after another after another. Like that little boy that sort of breaks a vase and tries to kind of <laughs> stick it back together. I don't know if you've ever done that. I remember breaking somebody's shower head, it was confession time, breaking somebody's shower head once and just trying to put it, I knew it was broken and it wouldn't fit, but just trying to balance it so that it was all balanced together so that when they moved it, it would break and they'd feel that they broke it. You know, we do these things, don't we? And afterwards we're like, oh, really should have owned up to that one. Maybe we um, just try and prevent others finding out. You know, maybe it's just that uh, we do something and we think, well, nobody saw that. It's something we've done in the secret of our own home and as long as nobody finds out, it's all okay. And, you know, it's terrible now, isn't it, what you can uh, do in your own home with the internet and TV and all these kind of things that you can watch that you shouldn't be watching. You think, well, it's okay, because uh, nobody knows, it's only me. But the truth is that God knows. You know, no matter how much we try and justify our behaviour, no matter how much 
we try and fix the situation, no matter how much we think that nobody else has seen, God knows. And everything is recorded in heaven. Everything is in his book of the acts that we do. And as I said, it's a bit like that, uh, the cloud storage. You know, we can try and get it rid of it on every device that we have, but it's still stored awaiting that day of judgment. And Nathan's confrontation of David helped him to see that. He says in verse 4a, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You see, in the mercy, in his mercy, God had sent Nathan to show David that no matter how much he tried to justify it or cover it over, actually it was still there. It was still sin. And the reason was because he'd sinned primarily against God. He'd broken God's laws. He transgressed where he shouldn't have gone. He'd missed the mark of God's standards. And no matter how much he tried to put it right in earthly terms, he could never erase that sin. Because God is a God, a just God. You know, he says that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You see, when God judges us for our sin, it's right that he does it. Yes, he's a merciful God, but he's also a just God. And he has to punish sin. And it's right that he records it, and it's right that he judges it. And that's what we would expect, wouldn't we? That nobody gets away with anything, really. And as Christians, we can kind of, there's a peace in that to know that whatever is happening, even in secret, nobody's getting away with it that one day everybody will have to give an account. Because no matter how successful we feel we've been, we'll, always, we'll all have to stand before that throne of judgment when Jesus comes again. You see, David had wronged Bathsheba, he'd wronged Uriah, and he's even his own wives and children, and even the subjects of his kingdom. And they would all have to bear those earthly consequences of his actions. But first and foremost, he'd wronged a just God who has to punish sin. And more than that, David realised that actually it's not just his actions that were sin, but actually he was born into a state of sin. That actually sin is not just the actions that we do, it's a state of being that we're in. It's actually a state of spiritual deadness, of separation from God, that we're all born into and we can never free ourselves from. Look at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. So even if we could make up and make recompense for the wrong things we've done, we can never change the state of who we are. And even if we could go back to when we were very, very young and try and undo all of the things that we've done wrong uh, over our lifetime, we can never go back to before we were born to change the state that we were born in. And David realised that. And he realised that actually only God could bring new life. Only God could cleanse and change the state of his whole being to make it sinless. And his mercy, Nathan, uh, God sent Nathan to lead David to that point. And that's the point of repentance, where we confess our sin, where we uh, agree with God, if you like, that what we have done is wrong. And we turn from it and say that we don't want to do it again, that actually we want to be a new creation. We want to be a different person. We grieve over our sin, not just because we feel we've let ourselves down or hurt other people or because uh, we're embarrassed over being found out. We grieve over it because we know that it is uh, against God's law that we have grieved God himself. And that's the point where we ask God to forgive us, to reconcile us to himself. That it's not just that we need to some kind of behavioural reform, we need to try and be a better person 
but actually that we need to, to be a better person. And so we need to be a different person. We need that new life that only God can bring. We need to be born again. Because David realised that only God had that power. Only God could forgive, could cleanse his heart, could give him that new life. Look at verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You know, Jesus himself said, didn't he, that it's not the outward show that's really the key. The, the, the heart of it is what comes out of our heart, what is in our heart, what is in those inward parts. And it's that that comes forth in our behaviour. And it's no good just trying to change our behaviour and be good when people are watching. That's what the Pharisees were doing. That actually we need that cleansing of our heart that only Jesus can bring. And that's the truth of it, is that it's only Jesus can do that. You know, if we are going to be uh, new creations, if we are going to have our sins forgiven, then somebody has to take the punishment for those sins. God cannot just say, well, those sins can go unpunished, don't worry about them, and sweep them under the carpet that maybe like we try and do. Someone has to take the punishment for those sins, and Jesus took that punishment for those who believe in him at the cross. Do we believe that? Do we believe that actually the work and the person of Jesus, his, uh, his life lived a sinless life, was that life that we could never live? He lived it on our behalf. And that death that he died was the death that we should die because of our sin. Do we believe that? Because if we do, then all our sin is placed on him and we become the righteousness of God in him. We become new creations. We are reconciled to the Father only through him. And isn't it wonderful that those saints of old were looking forward to their Messiah, to that day when they too, with us, would be brought into this wonderful uh, righteousness of Christ that is ours only through him. Because the truth is, and David saw it, and that's where the, the, the psalm really goes for, for the rest of the psalm in verses 8 to 18, is the wonderful consequences of what happens when all of our sin is transferred onto Jesus. When we come to that point, that mercy of God that brings us to repentance and faith, and we become the righteousness of God, it has wonderful consequences. Look at verse 8. See, for all that David was carrying on and trying to pretend nothing had happened, his mood had changed. He was in physical, it seems, pain. He was in a, a state of kind of despair because of his sin. He says, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. And it's true, isn't it, that when there's unconfessed sin in our lives, it just it physically affects us, it mentally affects us because we know that there is that, uh, that sin between us and God. There is that uh, part of something that we've done wrong that is yet to be confessed, that is yet to be um, uh, to, to forgiven. And he knew that. How wonderful it is to know that guilt wiped clean, how wonderful it is to know that weight lifted off. It doesn't mean that we're going to be uh, completely free of physical and, uh, and mental problems going forward. But what it means is that they're not going to be a result of our sin. They're not going to be a result of something that is unconfessed, that is kind of hidden in there, that secret that we have that no one else knows. You know, and uh, the forces of evil are, are very clever and even our own flesh is very clever. It says, well, if you just hide it there, nobody will know. But it's like that splinter, isn't it, that's there, but it festers. And what needs to happen is it needs to come out. And we do that through repentance. 
and faith. Verse 9, how wonderful that God remembers our sins no more. That once we've confessed them and he's cleansed us of them, they don't kind of go on the back burner in case God needs to bring them out against us again. No, they're gone. Verse 9, hide your face from my sin. Blot out my iniquities. But not only that, not only are our sins taken away, but also God then creates in us a new heart. And what he does is he enables us to persevere and to go from glory to glory. That as Christians, we don't just carry on sinning as we have always done. Yes, we will, carry, we, we will still sin, but it shouldn't be the same sins over and over again, the amount that we're used to. That actually we should be coming more like Jesus every day. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, God will help us to persevere in holiness to learn from our mistakes, and to live a holy life. And how is that possible? Because he actually comes and lives within us by his Holy Spirit. He takes up residence within our lives and he never leaves us. Verse 11, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. How wonderful that we have the Holy Spirit residing in us as a deposit guaranteeing our life to come in him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he also provides for us. You know, the spirit that he gives us is a wonderful, generous spirit that provides us with all things. You know, once we give our life to to Jesus, we have everything we need. He is our shepherd. And even though we go through tough and difficult times, he promises that he will provide for us. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And as we walk in this newness of life, as we cast all our um, sins onto him and all our cares onto him, not only does he um, cleanse us from sin, but he also upholds us in our weaknesses. Even when we face things that are not going away like Paul did, his grace is sufficient for us. And we have a wonderful testimony of that grace that as we live for him, the people around us will see that actually uh, we are different. We're not the people that we used to be. Yes, we might have to deal with the earthy, earthly consequences of what we've done, just as David did. You know, just when we do something wrong, yes, there are consequences to those around us, and we have to live with those. But actually, there is a testimony of grace because we become a different person. And even though we have to face the consequences, we're facing them as a child of God. And, and David knew that the mercy that God had shown him would encourage others to repent. And isn't that wonderful, that testimony that we have of the sins that we've had forgiven, of when we have uh, been uh, honest and confessed our sin, when we have repented and turned from it, when the Lord has forgiven us. We have that wonderful testimony to share with others to say, this could be you, that no one is beyond God's forgiveness. There is no one that's done anything or is anything that is too far gone, if you like. That is too, there's no hole that we've dug that's too deep for the Lord to get us out of, if only we would lift our hand to his, if only we would accept the one name under heaven and earth by which we can be saved, which is Jesus. In verse 13, look at what it says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Isn't that a wonderful promise that if we share our testimony, even though we might not be the greatest uh, philosophers or theologians in the world, but if we share what the Lord has done for us, then the promise is that the sinners will be converted. 
that the Lord will use that, will use our testimony, will use that little that we know to bring others to repentance and faith. And as we do that, we can truly worship. You know, when we feel that weight of guilt lifted from us, it allows us to go confidently into the throne room of God. You know, we could never go burdened by our sin. We could never go into the throne room of God and worship him if we were sinful creatures still steeped and burdened with sin. But as people that are uh, forgiven and cleansed, we can go confidently. And David knew that. David knew that that guilt had been lifted. Look at verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. Isn't it wonderful we have these incredible songs that we can sing of people over hundreds of years who have known what it is to be forgiven, who've known what it is to have their sins cleansed, and we can join them today. We have a song that the angels can't sing, that song of redemption. And our lives become a living sacrifice. You know, we go day after day before the throne of God and we become his servants. He accomplishes his purpose in the world through us as we humbly live to serve and to please him. As we said before, it's not just about our actions, but our heart attitude towards him, to love him and to honour him. Verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, you will not despise. You see, as the world is trying desperately to inflate its own ego, to inflate its self-esteem, to feel good about itself, as people are kind of coming up with more and more ways just to try, like balloons almost, to, to keep their balloon of their own self-image in the air. We don't have to do that. We can just admit who we are with all our faults and failings, and we can go before the throne of God with a broken and a contrite heart, and God will not despise that. We don't have to persuade God that we're worthy of his love. We don't have to persuade him that we're good enough to be his servants. We just go as we are. And in our weakness, he uses us. And finally, those around us will be blessed. Not only will we have a testimony which will lead others to salvation, but actually, as we live our lives for God's glory, we will make a difference to those that are around us. You see, the forgiveness that we experience, the new creation that we become means that we treat people differently, and especially those that we have authority or influence over, our families, our colleagues, our neighbours. And for David, it was his kingdom, that actually his kingdom would be blessed, that he, the nation that he was head of would be blessed because of this um, wonderful forgiveness that he had found in the Lord. Verses 18 and 19. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. In conclusion, let's just ask ourselves, and let's be honest, uh, a few questions. Firstly, do you confess that above all else, your wrongdoing, that that you did yesterday, that that you've done over the course of your life, is against God, primarily? That even though it might have affected yourself or other people, actually, primarily your sin is against God. And that it's right that he should punish that. It's right that you should have had to give account for that. That nothing is just brushed under the carpet. Do you acknowledge that you can't justify or cover your own sin? You can't do what David did and try and 
uh, orchestrate things to cover it over or justify it by blaming others or your circumstance? How much do we see that and hear that these days? Oh, it's not me, it's my childhood, or it's my upbringing, it's my genes. All of us must give an account and are responsible for the sin we do. Do you acknowledge that? Have you repented and put your faith in the person and work of Jesus? You know, the bad news is that we are all sinners and that we have to give an account and be punished for our sin. But the good news is that those that trust in Jesus, he pays that penalty. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Has he cleansed you from your sin? And are you striving to live a holy life in the light of God's grace? Are you striving that your life will be a witness to those around? Are you striving that you will make a a difference to your family and friends because you are a child of God? If you have, if you can answer yes to those things, that you have repented and believed and that you are a new creation in Christ, then you can be confident there's no condemnation now for you. That whatever happens in the future, your sin is covered, past, present, future. On that day of judgment, you will stand before God and he will not find one fault with you. Why? Because of Jesus. And the glory that is to come is all because of what he has done. If you can't say yes to those things, if you're still to confess your sin, if you really haven't understood that it's not just you or those around you that have been affected, but actually you've sinned against God himself, then may God give you the insight that he did with David. May this be almost that Nathan moment for you where he opens your eyes. In his mercy, God opens your eyes to what you've done, to the impact that that has. No matter how you've tried to sort it for yourself here on earth, it's still recorded in heaven on that day of judgment you'll still have to face him and give an account. And in his mercy, may today be that day where he gives you repentance and faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in what he did for you, that he paid for your sin, that you might put your faith in him, that you might give your life to him, that today may be the day where you are saved, cleansed, made a new creation. May that be the day for you today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.